0: Welcome to the Think Kingdom podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in our series, Beloved. Let's see what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter.
1: Beloved. Now, beloved means um, a dear friend of God. And so when when I uh, call you or we respond to each other as beloved, um, we're saying that we're dearly loved by God. So my friends... You're you're beloved. You you are loved by God. Now, in saying that, I want you to think the worst about yourself right now. I'm going to give you permission. Yeah. Dion was like, oh, my God. He loves that. He loves you. And even if there's a part of you that you're ashamed of and that if, if somehow it got leaked on social media or people were spreading it and it was actually true, he loves you. And that, you know, like, that is hard for many of us to grasp because we love others based on how they make us feel, right? And with conditions. And so when we say we're loved by God, surely it's because I I put my best foot forward. No, he loves your worst foot. You know, that, 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 that that foot that you keep covered, he loves that. Yeah. And and so when we're in relationship with God, the challenge and and, and hear me, I, if you are, um, if you don't wrestle with this, then just 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 entertain me for a few moments. Because uh, for some of us, I know I'm loved by God. Yeah. Um, But I would challenge you, do you act like it? But that's a whole nother time for a whole nother. And I'm trying, I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to go there, but I get sometimes the elementary nature of my messages. Because when you walk with people who don't understand their love by God, it's not elementary for them. While we, while we try to keep digging for, and there's nothing wrong with theological truths and doctrine, do, doctrine stuff, yes. But when it comes down to it, I believe that the average Christian does not know that they are loved by God, period. Hallelujah. And so we, we have this head knowledge and we can claim it and we can blab it and grab it, decree and declare, and don't know that we're loved by God. And if we are loved by God and He's our example, then we ought to love one another. Don't show me your doctrinal statements if you can't show me the love of Jesus. And so there is a disconnect that I'm trying to bridge, and I realize that that it 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 gives some people, uh, well, Pastor, you're speaking that that what, what about their sin? Well, what about yours? Yeah. Uh, uh, we are. Uh, I said this analogy, and it's one of the greatest analogies that I've I've actually preached on for the last 15 years of preaching. We are all working in a horse stable. And some of us are stepping in horse poop. Others are swimming in it. Some are in it, but not touching anything. But the end of the day, when we come out of it, we all smell like poop. And so the odor of sin is detestable against God. So who are we to judge everyone else's sin and we smell just like them without Jesus? Jesus washes us and makes us clean. It's not in my works. It's not in my title. It's not in my function. Here's the thing. My two sons, Christopher and Justin, are my sons, whether you acknowledge them or not. Because I am their father and they carry my DNA. So sometimes when they don't act like they know who I am, that does not mean they're not mine. And this is a love of a father. And the, the beauty of God is he never has to consult you to determine what he's going to do for me. The beauty of God is that I don't have to have a lot to be considered his. The beauty of God, I don't have to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and meet your standard. The beauty of God is Jesus paid it all. I went to a funeral yesterday and uh, I, I, Tiffany, I was, I was in that small I was in that small church, and they did this, and I did, they did this. And boy, something started staring up in me. I said, Lord, where my grandfather. Because I need the Reverend Dr. James H. Hampton to say that he's good. And that and the, the simplicity of that statement is powerful when you experience his goodness. And so I used to thought it was foolish. Somebody would say, Jesus, and somebody else would say, Jesus, and people start shouting. I was like, man, what is this? But when you spent time with him, it's the old folks, you say, when I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know. So it's the goodness of, of, of Jesus that keeps us from being consumed. It's the goodness of Jesus. So I have to walk this journey with you to help you unlearn and learn, because every one of us, to the, no. That's an absolute. Most of us know how to do church, but few know him. And those are two different things. I can look the part, people. You don't know if I spent time with God or not. And and, and so we have become great at masquerading. You know, it's crazy. Watch this. We all need Jesus. Yes, we do. Say it, pastor. Then why you need him? Whoa, whoa, don't get in my business. Because we recognize that people can't handle the truth about ourselves. And so sometimes we put them mishandling that truth on God. And so we go in these shadows. We go in these hidden places. And I just want you to, uh, look, I went to to an old church yesterday, and I don't do this a lot. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, come out the shadows. It's time, for us, it's, it's time for us as a church to come from the shadows. So here's what love does for us. Love gives us um, identity, security, and then authority. So here's some three truths that we are going to break down. Won't be before you long. That's partly true. Um, I do as best I can. Um, <laughs> number one, I am not what I do. I want you to say this with me. I am not what I do. But pastor, you don't know what I did. And I'm saying, if you are in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, you are a new creation. You are, you are not what you do. Say it with me. I am not what I do. Now, in the olden days, um, a person will retire from the, the now, if you're, under, if you're under 40, 40 and below, this may be a shock to you. But in the olden days, people would stay with one company for 30 plus years. I know, this is crazy, right? And so what they would do along the 25 year mark, if you're lucky, you get a Timex watch. Yeah, a Timex, because it keeps on ticking. And and so um, once a person puts all that work into one single job for 30 plus years, they leave with a watch. But well, here's what's worse. Their identity is so involved in what they do, they don't know what else they can do. And so um, we see people working and working because that's all they know. They spent 30 years at, in the meals, And the meals close. So if I am what I do and I no longer can do what gives me identity, who am I? The second thing is, I want you to say it with me, I am not what I have. Now, if you are what you have, what happened when it's taken away? My identity must be in more than what I have. Um, why, would you let, why would I let anything go If I get my identity from it, I'd rather hold on to it, even if it kills me. I am not what I have. The third thing is, I am not what others say about me. Oh, my God. Now, if you are what others say you are, what happens when they speak death over you? or ignore you, if, if, what if they say good things contingent upon how you treat them or how, they, how you act towards them? So you no longer do those. You know what I, I feel, okay, not this church, but uh, this, place, that, this place I used to be. I could say yes a hundred times. The moment I say no, I'm the worst person in the world. So if my identity is tied into what you think of me, right. and so it's this song, I'm telling you I went back home. So I got some old school stuff just still residue of it. It's this song that's, that says, "Pull my string and I sing your song, I'm your puppet." and we conduct our relationships by pulling the strings of other people. So if they do this, then they're, they're good people. And if they do this, and so what happens is people begin to speak these things over us, and now we believe lies about ourselves. Let me break it down a little bit further. You ain't never gonna be nothing. And now 40 years later, that's what you believe about yourself. And so if God doesn't wash that thing off you, we will continue to settle for the way people treat us. And let me be honest, it's abusive. You deserve more than what you put up with. But there's something happens when you get a hold of Jesus. And so uh, another point I want you to make, and not in my notes, but you are more than your worst moment and you're nothing less than your best moment. You, beloved, are loved by God, period. Now, the reality of it is you cannot live out truth believing in the lies that are, you told, that are told to you. And here's, here's the truth of those who have been passionate over the last few years, and I say this time and time again. You preach to yourself more than I ever will. And I know for most of you, I'm not your favorite pastor or preacher, but whatever, whoever your favorite preacher is can never preach to you as much as you preach to yourself. And many of us tell ourselves lies all the time. And so you can't believe lies and live out truth. You become, you behave what you believe And so if you feel like you don't deserve better, you will never have it because you're living out that truth that you put in your heart. So, beloved. What are you anchored to? Who are you anchored to? And, you know, the reality of it is um, I used to believe this is one of the most shocking revelations I've ever had over the last 10 years, Tiffany. I grew up in a little thing called MTV Cribs. And I just found out recently that they did not own those homes. They had pictures of their family in those homes. They had a camera, it's, it's hip hop and rap, rap folks. And they would, they would say, hey, they would open the door, they say, hey, come, look at how I live. And they would take the cameras and the cameras would show this huge house, and there were open refrigerators, they had a bunch of stuff in there that I'm not gonna mention, and they just, they, it just looked like they lived there. And then many years later, I'm watching, and it's like, yeah, I want my house. Say what? You mean to tell me you had pictures up, you had people that were conveniently lounging in different areas, and that whole thing was staged? You mean to tell me that they did not look like they were presenting themselves to be? You you mean to tell me that this was literally scripted and it wasn't real? I stopped talking about MTV Cribs a long time ago. I'm talking about your life. That we have curated this image that we are something that we're not. We take these pictures and we, we modify them and we put filters on them and we're miserable. Yes, now, I'm not only saying that I see it, but I used to do it. My, I would take these family portraits with Tanya and I, we were, so we were packing, we saw this stuff and we saw pictures. I remember it was Eastland Mall. Now, I just aged myself. There was a mall in the Eastland Area of Charlotte, and we went to Sears, and we took a picture, and we were fighting. I remember it. We, I, that picture was 20 some years ago, and we were fighting the whole week. But the 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 the, the photographer was like, "Sit and put your hand. You know, it, this is like one pose that everybody had." And I remember it, and we were able to manufactured a smile and we captured the moment that we were both smiling. But connected to that picture was the reality that during that time we were so at odds. I don't even think we liked each other. But thank God for Jesus. And so I want to encourage you. And then the flip side of it because here's what I want you to do the next few moments. I need for you to focus on the donut and not the hole in the middle. I need for you to see that your brokenness does not mean that you're not valuable. I I need for you to see that that even the holes in the middle does not define you. And and, and so even when we can go back to that, that time of the Even we can go back to that time, we can see how far God has brought us. But the the road or pathway to wholeness hurts. So it's Charles Dickens. Some of us are living the best of times and the worst of times. Some of us have a lot to be thankful for. And there's a lot that we're praying for. And so let me just give you this. Ma'am, sir, you are doing the best you can, but it's the best you can. There's another that awaits, and he's calling your name. And so the issue is when you get to the end of yourself, you're in, you're in it, and you keep putting your hands to it, and it is getting worse. God is not trying to break you. He's allowing you to break yourself. The scriptures is clear. He resists the proud. So humble yourself. And so this is an admonishment because I used to think that prosperity meant I could have the stuff that I didn't, uh, that, the, the stuff that they was telling me I could have. And so I I, I us, we. And, and so we're going to do this briefly, and then I'm going to get to the meat of the message. And the meat of the message is God's word. And literally, I'll be done if this thing hurries up. So while it's waiting for it, how are you guys doing? Good day so far? Okay, yeah, gotcha. All right, so remember last week we mentioned uh, what are some things in our life uh, that we're concerned with? i started off. Uh, Family, right? So family, what else? Cool, money. Everybody's like, money, you can stop right there. Health, work, what? What else? Play, it's part of life. What else? Relationships. Relationships, man. I feel Luther, A house is not a home. All right, so, so these are the things that we all have in common. And so um, remember when we are, when we are, uh, I don't remember what color y'all told me not to use, but it is what it is. Um, so, so, here, so here's the thing. So one area of my life could be working and another area not. And so if you judge me with the area that's working, he got everything together. If you you judge me with the area that's not working, man, he's a mess. And both of those statements the truth. But the reality is somewhere in the middle. There are certain things that are just, it's like, um, um, I get this together and this fall apart. I get that together, I'm playing like nobody's business and work is threatening layoffs. Health, it's like, man, I finally got the home, I finally got relationships, and now they find something and the doctors are concerned. Life happens to us all. We ain't special because everything is working, and we ain't uh, bad because everything's falling apart. The problem or the challenge or the, 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 uh, the reminder is that we need Jesus involved in all of these areas. And the issue is that when we are performing at optimal, in some area, we kick Jesus out. Or the reverse is true. We're struggling in this particular area, and we're so full of shame, we don't invite him in. And so we exist in shadows. And so now I don't want to go to church because everybody hypocrite. Ma'am, you're the biggest one. Because here's what I realized, and I can say this because I'm, I'm fat. Fat people go to the gym. Why? Because they need it. So if everybody's fit and in shape and they see me come in, oh, man, what is a fat guy doing in the gym? Because I need it. What is a hypocrite doing in the church? Because we all hypocrites. We need Jesus. And, and so what happens is there's are certain areas of my life that's working, and, I, I, and, and here's what I realized, that even in success for some of us, it's the worst thing that can happen to us. You know what happened? when you get the money. Come on, let's just be real, can we dream a little? If you hit it big, we ain't ever <laughs> gonna see you again. <laughs> Pastor, when I make it big, I'm going to bless the church. Thank you, my son. But here's what I realized. Jesus is invited to a wedding. John chapter 2. Goes to a wedding. And this is what I'm realizing in my own life. John chapter 2, Jesus at a wedding. Verse number 3. John chapter 2. Read on your good time. It's good, man. Verse 3. says, when the wine ran out. Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. And here's the truth about whether you are enjoying life or whether you're struggling. Verse verse number three, your wine will run out. Eventually, you're gonna run out of wine. And so when the wine runs out, people start to see your shame. Because here's the reality of a wedding. When a wedding is a joyous occasion, it want everybody to enjoy. And so how you run out of wine? And so they bring in shame to the bride and the groom. But thank God they invited Jesus to the wedding. Because in the midst of your success, shame is always around. That's why you got to be careful how you get stuff. The details matter. If you if you lying in now, no matter how white they are, it's gonna catch up. And so when the wine runs out, and so Jesus steps. In, in this place, and maybe it was that they had too many people, maybe they didn't have enough, but I've lived long enough to know that the wine always runs out. So what does that mean? That means that my strength to put whole things together, everybody had a big mama. And big mama was the one that held the family together. And now big mama's no longer with us. And then a family's falling apart. Might I submit to you it was never big mama. It was that she was the one person that was praying and seeking God. So don't confuse big mama with Jesus. And, And so because big mama was pointing people back to Jesus. And now you have the mandate leading your family to point people back to Jesus because Jesus wine never runs out. And so here's the thing that I don't know. I don't know where your strength is, but it's going to run out. What happens when your wine stops running out? And so here we have Paul said it this way that um, I think it's Ephesians. And he says that we're basically dead men walking, dead men walking because we're not in the spirit and everything not of the spirit leads to destruction. What are you saying? I'm saying that before Christ, you were zombies, We were all zombies, and you know what zombies do? They stink, and they're reactive, and they're impulsive. And the thing that the church has done for so long is just dressed up zombies. God is calling us to be regenerate. He's calling us to be born again. You are doing the best you know how, but there's another way. And so here's why I want to keep homing in on uh, what the love of God is. I have loved you with an everlasting love. In 1 John chapter 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And then here's the reality. And I hate to use this scripture because it's been taken out of context for so long The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. But he only fights for you when you on his side. How do we know we're on the side of the Lord? Not because we confessed it. Not because we walked around the car seven times. And then we got oil on their cars. I'm about to tell you in a minute. Because many of us get that we're loved by God, and I'm not. And then here's here's the reality check: being loved by, loved by God doesn't mean that you get an occasion to sin. The love of God is without conditions; it's freely given. But obedience, or disobedience, rather, provoke consequences. Okay, so right after service, I go I go uh, I go rob a Walmart. Like literally, like y'all, y'all see me on the news and I robbed a Walmart. Y'all can see, she said, a Walmart? Why not a, I don't know, Target? Jeez, the, give me the, let me get to the gist. We much prefer a Kirkland's. Like it doesn't, so I, I robbed a Walmart and you was like, man, he just preached one of the best sermons of his life and I'm still going to jail. He, he, just, he loves his wife. And undoubtedly, there's a question now, but I th- thought he loves God. There's still consequences associated with it. God's love for you does not remove consequences. God's love for us does not remove our past from the memory of the people we offended. Now, carrying your Bible, you think they should forget the money that you owed them? Carrying your Bible now, was just like, I'm different. Man, you hit my car, you didn't pay for it, so excuse me. And, and the reality of it is, the love of God is not a get out of free jail card. And so the love of God. Now, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And let's just be honest. All of us want to be known. All of us want to be significant. All of us want to be heard. You want that book published. You want that deal sealed. We want to stop struggling financially. See, these things are not inherently bad things. What makes them bad is when we want them more than God. You, you got to see this. Jesus, 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 Is told that his friend Lazarus is dead. And so he tarries. See, I was in the old school church. He waits. And then by the time he gets there, Lazarus dies. And they look at him Jesus, if you would have came, you could have prevented him from dying. And John says in um, John 11 and 35, Jesus wept. And so here's what I want you to get, that Jesus not only dies for us, but he cries with us. Why is this significant? Because Jesus wants the folks that he loved to know, do you want me or what I can do? And most times in life, we don't want him. We want him to prevent Lazarus from dying. And so whatever's dying in our lives, the question becomes, do you want the comfort of Jesus or what Jesus brings? It's like when, it's like, uh, uh, when, when my kids will have their Christmas thing and they open presents and they start playing with it and they never say thank you. So are you connected to us, your parents, or just the gifts? Now, when they were younger, we understood they didn't know any better. But when they got older, I'm talking to somebody. Are they coming for the gifts or the giver of the gifts? And that's a posture of the heart. So Jesus weeps with us. He doesn't just cry for us. He's not just an advocate. He weeps with us. Because here's what Jesus knows. That Lazarus is raised from the dead. But Lazarus is still going to die. Because healing, success, struggle, pain on this side is temporary. The joy of Jesus must be in who he is. Not what he does for us. Beloved. Do you believe that Jesus loves you? But beloved, do you believe that Jesus likes you? Because when I like someone, I'm going to spend time with that person. See, I'm called to love everybody. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I am. Thank you, my friend. Well, I ain't called to like everybody. I'm not called to give everybody the same access to me. So when I say Jesus likes you, he wants you to have access to him. He wants to spend time with you. That's the beauty of God. And so I leave you with John chapter four, verse seven through 21. And this concludes the beloved series. It's John's words. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter, first John chapter four, verse seven, through verse twenty-one. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Check this out. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God defines love, beloved, not you or I. God's love was revealed among us in this way. What is the proof that God loves us? And the proof that God loves us is God sent his only, his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. I want you to, I want you to Holy Spirit, I want you, Holy Spirit, to speak and minister to us. You don't need my fancy words. You need the word of God. And God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, the ugliest parts of you and I Is not beyond God's reach. He loves you. And in verse 11, beloved, if God loves us in this way, we must also, we also must love one another. The evidence of us loving God is how we love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. How do I know, Pastor? I got the proof of God's love. Now, how do I know he going to keep me? Because this is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Now. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of wrong. He doesn't condemn us. So sometimes when you do wrong and we do wrong and you feel bad, yes, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. Beloved, listen to the Holy Spirit. If you want to hear God speak into your life, read the Bible out loud. Verse 14, and we have seen and we testify that the father has sent his son as the world savior. Prideful people don't believe they need saving. And that's why the world rejects Jesus. Because the world does not believe it needs saving. The more mature we get in God, the more we realize our need of God. And so, the more we get mature in the things of God, the more humble we should become. How is it that these folks that have been in church, in God for so long, are some of the most arrogant and just plain out mean? Where is the joy of the Lord? The more we mature in the things of God, the more we see our need of God. And that should humble us. Make humility great again in the church. Listen, I prefer sitting on that side. But that's not my seat. We don't have this. James deals with it this way. We have preferred seating. In the house of God. Look, man. No. Yeah, Holy Spirit, you're right. Continue. Verse number 15. Whoever, I want you to get this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. So if you want to know if you're in God, Do you confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus is the only way? I'm not talking about Jesus plus one. I'm saying whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. All bad people go to heaven. What? Yeah, because we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. None of us are good. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, Jesus is the only way to God. So what makes us beloved is that we confess that Jesus is the only way. That is how we can say in our broken, messed up self, what's up, beloved? Because Jesus is the son of God and God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And the the disciple who's called the beloved says, God is love. He He keeps this pattern. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence. Oh, my God. I want you to get this, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Yo, I don't know about you, but I know what I did. And that scripture tells me I can be confident. I'm here, I'm here, what's my judgment? Because I'm in Him. How do I have the confidence that I'm saved? Because I confess that Jesus is the only way. Not by my works, not by my goodness, not by my title, not by my function, not because I was, I was because my grandfather preached, not because what mommy and daddy did. No, I have confidence because I have confessed that Jesus is the one and only. So in this, man, in this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. I got fear in my relationship with my wife. She surrenders to God. I surrender to God. We remain in him because our confession does not change. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. And that's why I can go boldly in front of the throne, having obtained mercies from Jesus Christ. And, and so when you, when you know, when you, when you accept Jesus, when you accept him, you're saying that in my brokenness, I cannot free myself from whatever has anchored itself to me. And sometimes our past has anchored itself to us, and so we keep hearing the voices. You ever ever make progress, and then you get triggered, and you start. It feels like you're starting all over again. And if you got my confession, man, I thought I was over this. Because what happens is those lies don't go away, beloved. And God is holding on to you. Because let's just be honest, for some of us, we let God go a long time ago. It was too hard. And we never verbally said it, but our behavior showed it. You don't want anything to do with the church. The day I stepped in another church, and here you are. Some of us got so much church hurt, the mere fact we show up, is a testament to God's goodness. But beloved, how long are you gonna live like that? Because there's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, and here's here's the secret sauce right here, Gina. Here's the secret sauce. If anyone says, I love God, <laughs> And yet hates his brother or sister. I don't care how many books they wrote. I don't care what platform they stand on. If anyone says I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. And as my grandma would say, the truth ain't in him." For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Beloved, I'll leave you with this. We are to embrace God's love for us and embody God's love towards each other. We have to embrace and embody May I submit to you that you can't love your children without the love of God operating in your life. You can't love your spouse without the love of God operating in your life, for God is love. And the more I talk to people, the more I wrestle with the Holy Spirit for myself. The shame of areas of my life makes me feel unlovable and it becomes infectious other areas of my life and it slowly grows and what God wants to do is be invited into that spot I know we can give them the places that we're good or that we're thriving but he wants all of you I don't want you to leave this church today not feeling loved by God, but knowing why you are so desperately loved by Jesus. He calls you beloved. And he calls you beloved knowing your behavior. That takes the pressure off. You mean I ain't got to get I ain't got to be good to get this? You can't. You can't be good. It's life. Can't get right. And for some of us who got that reference, we there's areas of my life I can't get right, Noah. And the more I strive, the worse it gets. And he is beckoning you to come. Son, daughter, he's calling you by name and he said, come. And I, I want you to come. To come into the rest of Jesus. Come into the loving arms of a father and his love is being expressed through Jesus. I am inviting you to come. Hearts broken? Absolutely. But He is close. He's here. He's near to the brokenhearted. Beloved. I mean, I may, I may use that title a lot because every time I call you beloved, I'm realizing I'm beloved. That I'm loved by God. And He proved His love for us in this way that He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross. So the cross of Christ is the great equalizer. You know, big sin, little sin is all sin. And the cross changed the game. It's like, it was like, Curry in game five. Sorry. But it was more than that. He gave us all blood transfusions, the poison of sin. And as his blood works through our body, we become more mature in areas. He sees our ignorance at times, Thomas. He sees it. And you know what he says? My boy, wait, what? Him. Because if we hold on to the confession of our faith and we hold on to the belief that we're loved by God, holding on to that is what we're anchored to. And you know what happens when you start being matured in the faith? You you behave like what you believe. And then you start saying, "I, I, I can't do that. There there are things I can't do, even when I want to. I just, because I don't want to bring shame to your name. I'm sorry for even having that thought. He dealt with the Pharisees that way, because some of us are Pharisaic in our belief. I ain't killed nobody, but you thought about it. You ain't committed adultery, but you thought about it. In my own conviction. He becomes the standard for it. And and now the Holy Spirit, as we mature. See, the, 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 the beauty of God is this, that spiritual maturity means I take the good, the bad, the indifferent, and the ugly all to God. So I can celebrate and lament. I can be happy with some areas of my life that's growing and I can be disappointed and say, Lord, I let you down. And he says, you know what? You did. You did not. What are we going to do? You're going to get it right because the Holy Spirit is rising. And, and here's, here's what I want you to get. I just want to get, that, get this. The more you practice the rhythm of listening to the Holy Spirit, the more you will recognize his voice. You know, 12-step program for this. It's relationship." This relationship has to be nurtured.
0: That was Pastor Antoine continuing in our series, Beloved. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.